Hey everyone, it's me, Ryan Turford. I'm in my house, and you're listening to the most PlayStation-rific podcast on the internet. It's the PlayStation Drive. I'm on a Discord call with my friend Matt Sawinski, and on our journey today, we got God of War and Gran Turismo, and they're all coming out in 2022, but they're also coming to PlayStation 4, so jump on into the PlayStation Drive. Bow, ba bow, 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 bow. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Matt. How are you doing on this lovely, lovely, very drear-looking day outside? I'm looking out my window, and it's it's very cloudy. It looks like it's going to pour any minute now here in London. Yeah, it's been it's been raining here for the last little bit since last night, so it is it is a little gray. But you know, I love raining days like this once in a while. Kind of you know helps zen me out, calm me down, gives me a kind of that you know I just want to sit around and play video games kind of thing. <laughs> and what a perfect way to spend a rainy day than talking about PlayStation. Yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> For sure, I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm doing much better than uh, than last week. Again, I got my COVID shot on, on Saturday, so I had kind of been you know fighting uh, through a sore arm and you know some side effects. But uh, I'm pretty much back to normal now. So um, yeah, I'm just like you, I'm I'm very excited to talk PlayStation. And again, we got lots to talk about this week because. You definitely tell it's pre-E3 this week because, you know, the docket is uh, nothing short of, of, of amazing with lots of stuff to talk about. So we're going to get into all that in just a bit. But, of course, we're going to clean the garage a little bit here. Um, of course, if you're listening to this right now as part of the pilot program, you're supporting us at the $3 level on Patreon. And we love you and thank you for all of your support. Um, however, if you're listening to this when this goes live on free feeds in a few weeks, if you like what we do and want to consider uh, supporting the show, of course, uh, patreon.com slash Capri is one way you can do that. You can throw a little, little tip in the old tip jar and uh, you can support us that way. And you can get early access to this show as well as all of our other shows, as well as exclusive shows, because Sean and I are recording one of those tomorrow, which will actually go live next week. So you can look out for that on the Patreon there, patreon.com slash Yumi Capri. Likewise, this podcast will be appearing on free feeds probably in the next couple of weeks. We don't have an exact date for this yet. It's <gasps> going to be out of the pilot program soon, um, and we will give you full details as to when it's going to be on free feeds, where to go subscribe, all that awesome stuff from there. All right, let's grab our A-tracks, pop them in. It's time for the playlist, and let's talk about what we've been playing. So, Matt, I'm going to start with you because you played some interesting stuff this week. So what did you play? Yeah, I finally got around to jumping into the Scarlet Nexus demo nice. because it was available on PlayStation. And I got to tell you, it took me a second, but once it clicked, I really enjoyed what I had. The first thing that I did was crank down the camera sensitivity. Yeah. I found it to be very hypersensitive, especially like I get motion sick decently easily. Okay. And the speed at which it was kind of flying around made me a little bit like, whoa, oh my God. And then as soon as I cranked it down, I was like, okay, this feels good. But the abilities, the way that the combat feels... Everything felt great. The story seems interesting. I know you played it a couple weeks back, and you, we were kind of waiting to talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find yourself still thinking about the game after you play the demo? Like, are you are you more stoked? Did it kind of do much for you? How do you feel about Scarlet Nexus? I, I'm still thinking about that combat and just how much I loved it. Um, again, uh, like you, I struggled a little bit within the first, like, five minutes or so. But again, once it kind of clicked, you know, but to get out of the tutorial area, um, it really felt good to play like the combat. So uh, I'm someone that really loves like fast action games like Bayonetta or Ninja Gaiden or Devil May Cry. So any games that can kind of evoke that feeling in me um, is definitely a game I'm very interested in. And, and this game isn't 
on that same level, but at the same time, it's it's close. It's approaching that area. So um, that that's why I really love the combat of that game, and I'm still thinking about it. And I can't wait to get my hands on the final game. As far as the story, again, I think it's just the the where it kind of drops you in on the story. It's not like it's not a really interesting part of the story. I think. Um, so I think mm-hmm. at this point, I'm still not thinking about the story at this point. But I, I am excited to see how the story folds out in the actual game, especially because I like. And on Emco's writing, I like anime, so I think I'm going to definitely dig what they're going to give us here. Um, and the world itself seems interesting, so um, I am excited to learn more about that. Did you also play the demo with both characters or just the one? I played both characters, and one of the only things that jumped out at me is I was a little disappointed that they both had the same boss. Yeah. Like, granted, like, the environment was different and how you accomplished things were slightly tweaked, but, like, I was kind of, like... I wonder if the full game is going to mirror this. Like, I wonder if we're going to be getting a lot of the same types of bosses and enemies. That was the only thing that didn't sit 100% right with me because I was expecting something at least a little bit different. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, other than that, I I thought it was pretty cool. Um, And then I also hopped into Mass Effect 2. I finished the first Mass Effect finally. And, man, does 2 pick up. Like, it's like (laughs) getting just smacked in the face as you walk into the room. Like, that game just erupts right away and like i'm shocked at how much of a jump it is in i don't know kind of overall quality because i thought the writing was really good in mass effect one mm-hmm. but obviously because it's an older game i felt like not everything worked as well and mass effect 2 just kind of comes out kicking and screaming in the best way like the opening is fantastic i'm probably about four hours in um so i'm still going around and kind of picking up the crew members that i need yeah uh, I went and got Kasumi first at the Citadel because I was like, I want to go see what's going on at the Citadel. And I got her. And man, she just destroys everything in her path. Yeah. Well, she's meant to be like a late game character that you normally would have gotten in the original version if you paid for the DLC. Um, but this game, oh. this version, they basically give it to you, give you her like kind of right away if you want to. Just like Zaid was kind of like that, too, um, where he was like. He was a, a free DLC as part of like the Cerberus network, which was like this like weekly DLC like drop that you got that was essentially like free DLC essentially, and like Zaid was the first one that you got, um, which was interesting. Oh, but uh, but Kasumi was like paid DLC because she ha- she was, had her own expansion pack essentially. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting because she is like stupidly overpowered versus some of the other characters. So yeah, I was kind of like I want to go check out the Citadel. I want to see what's going on with the, you know, with the, with the council and everything. And also this master thief sounds interesting. And then I picked her up and I was like, oh, wow, she's very, very strong. Yeah. Um, but I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm really curious to see what else kind of, you know, what comes next. But Ryan, you've been playing something that I've been keeping my eye on a little bit. And I'm a little bit curious. What have you been playing? So I played one game this week uh, besides Final Fantasy 14, which I'm not going to harp out on again. Um, mainly because, again, <laughs> we've been kind of been doing a lot of our E3 prepping. So I haven't really had too much time for games this week. But Virtual Fighter 5 Ultimate Showdown came out on Tuesday. And this is actually a, a PlayStation Plus game this month. Um, and it's basically, so I think we talked about it on the show last week because I think it was announced before uh, before we recorded. And essentially, it, for those that don't know what this is, it's a remake or a re-release, actually, of the PS3 Virtua Fighter game, which was also an arcade game. Um, and it's essentially the newest game in the Virtua Fighter series, which is a 3D fighting game. And I've, I think I mentioned it the last time we talked about this. I'm not really a huge fan of Virtua Fighter, at least as far as 3D fighters are concerned. I'm, def- I'm definitely more in the camp of something like 
Mortal Kombat or um, Dead or Alive or uh, Soul Calibur. Like those are kind of more my jam when it comes to 3D fighters. Um, there's something about Virtual Fighter Five that almost it almost just feels too slow to me. Um, but I still want to give mm. this one a try anyways and, and see how it played and. Um, it plays just as I remember. I mean, for the most part, they didn't really make any <laughs> tweaks to the gameplay or anything like that. Um, there, there's some, there's a couple new characters, um, so I tried them out and, and they seem interesting. But overall, I'm, 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 my feelings are kind of mixed on it. I think that again, if you liked Virtual Fighter Five or if you like the Virtual Fighter series, then I think you're gonna dig this. I, I definitely think it's good as a free. PlayStation Plus game for sure. Like I'm glad that mm-hmm. I didn't pay for it. Um, but at the same time, if I was someone that wanted to that that didn't really love virtual fighter or anything like that then obviously this isn't going to be up your alley so um yeah i think it's okay i think it's fun um and it it is definitely worth checking out because again everyone has a copy of it so um if you like 3d fighting games i encourage you to at least try it and see if it's for you kind of thing um especially too uh, you might have played it before because this version of the game is actually been available in the yakuza games in the arcade for the longest time. So you could actually go to the arcade in Yakuza and, and find a virtual fighter five machine and play it in there. So, um, some people might've actually played it before or even just on PlayStation three. So, uh, yeah, the visuals themselves though, they look pretty nice. They, they are definitely much improved over the PlayStation three version. Uh, I will give it that the online lobbying system though. It's another thing because the way it works, if you want to play this with a friend is essentially you have to create a room, set a password and then your friend has to go to they can't just join you as a friend they have to go to the list of private rooms and scroll through it infinitely because there's oh like my God. there's like 50 to 100 private rooms with passwords on them and then try and find your name in that sea of lists sea of names and then join wow. you that way. yeah it's it doesn't even like rank the friends ones no, at the top of the list it doesn't even let you sort oh, of wow. friends it's so dumb <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's very bizarre. So, yeah, because I tried to get in uh, some <laughs> games with uh, with one of my friends, and yeah, it was uh, it was not a pleasant experience. So uh, that's that sounds brutal. Plus, you have to do that every time you finish a round. So, yeah, um, yeah. So there you go. Virtual Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown available now, folks. So you can definitely go and check that out. All right, let's slam the brakes on this conversation. It is time for some breaking news and. Again, we had lots of news to talk about this week. You can definitely tell it's the week before E3. But we're going to start with PlayStation Now games. And you might be thinking, Ryan, why are we starting with PlayStation Now? Well, every month, <laughs> we're going to talk about the PlayStation Now games. I think it's fun because, I mean, on the Xbox Drive, we always mention the Game Pass games. So I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the PlayStation Now games at the beginning of every month. Starting with The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Game of the Year Edition. Um, then we also got, as part of the Sonic 30th anniversary celebration, we got Team Sonic Racing, Sonic Media, and Sonic Forces all in uh, PlayStation Now. Virtual Fighter 5 Ultimate Showdown, which I just talked about on, on PlayStation Now, although that one's only in PlayStation Now until the end of August, but then it's also on PlayStation Plus till the end of August. So I don't know what's going on with that or why that's a thing, but just wanted to note that here. Uh, Slay the Spire. Uh, a cool card game is on there as well as Car Mechanic Simulator is also <laughs> on PlayStation now. Overall, I think this is actually a pretty solid list of games, Matt. I, um, I'm curious to know what you think about this, though. I am unbelievably hyped for Car Mechanic Simulator. Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> no, but <laughs> I've actually never even heard of that game, which probably tells you something. Yeah. But the rest of them, I'm actually, I think it's a pretty good list. Witcher 3, I mean, if you haven't played it by now, it's a great opportunity to jump in. Slay the Spire is one of my favorite favorite roguelite deck builders. I think that game is just 
so much fun and especially how it progresses and the different characters you unlock and how different each character feels if you're into like roguelike deck builders at all definitely check it out and i've always been curious about sonic mania i've never actually gone around to playing it so i don't know playstation now has been one of those things where i keep thinking about subscribing but i'm always like mm, do i really really want to yeah it's just one of those things. What about you, Ryan? Is there anything from this list that jumps out at you? I think I, I think the ones you mentioned are definitely the the highlights from this list, especially Sonic Mania of the three Sonic games. It's definitely the best one, um, especially if you like 2D Sonic or Sonic CD in particular, because Sonic Mania was very much a tribute to Sonic CD uh, back in the day. So um, I definitely think it's worth playing, although Team Sonic Racing is a surprisingly fun kart racing game. So um, if you've never played Team Sonic Racing, then I encourage you to check that out if you have a PlayStation Now subscription. I didn't really play Slay, Slay, Slay the Spire. Um, it's been sitting on my installed on my Xbox forever because it's on Game Pass. It's been on Game Pass forever. Um, but it's one of those things where I don't really like roguelikes, so it's one of the reasons why I'm not really you know jump chomping at the bit to go play it. Um, and then Car mm-hmm. Mechanic Simulator, like you, I've, I didn't even know that game existed until <laughs> today. But screenshots are just funny. It's like first person view of you just like you know drilling stuff into the side of your car. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm sure there's probably some fun there. But yeah, I mean, none of these would probably make me want to subscribe to PlayStation Now. But of course, for me, I think the biggest appeal for PlayStation Now has always been the PlayStation 3 games. I just wish you could download them. But uh, I, I actually love revisiting yeah. games from that generation. Um, and, and I think it would be like like PlayStation now could be like the killer app for, for someone like me, if that you would able to, you were able to actually download those games. But unfortunately, like I said, you, you can't do that right now. There's some of them are still playable, but trying to play like Ninja Gaiden Sigma two, for example, it's, oh my you, God. you can't do that. It's, it's the leg is too much. So there you go. Pretty solid list of, of games. I would say um, definitely one of the better months for, for PlayStation now. Um, so if you're interested in those, I think there's a deal for PlayStation now going on right now. as part of days of play as well. Um, so it is a little bit cheaper to get in the door if you want to do that, because I think it's like $20 Canadian for three months, which is, which is not bad right now. So not bad. Yeah, definitely go check that out. All right. Next up, um, we got the announcement of this live stream last week that we talked about this a little bit on the show last week. But Ubisoft have finally confirmed a release date for Far Cry 6. It will launch on October 7th. We also got like a new like gameplay um, display for the game, including uh, the ability to shoot CDRs from a gun that sh- that plays the Macarena, <laughs> or a backpack that shoots rockets, or the ability to holster a weapon for the first time, and, and that's going to play into the gameplay somehow. Um, really pre- beautiful looking game, though. What do you think about this, Matt? Did you get a chance to check out this trailer? Yeah, I did. Um, I'm a huge Far Cry fan, actually. That's probably one of the only Ubisoft titles that I pick up every time that it comes out. Far Cry 3 was kind of my first one that really got me into it. I tried to go back to Far Cry 2, but the whole malaria thing kind of made things a little bit too annoying. Yeah. But Far Cry 6 looks gorgeous. Like, the the environment looks beautiful. I'm excited that we're actually getting some kind of, you know, more metropolitan city areas kind of combined with everything else. They talked a lot about how... They're working harder than ever before to have a lot of different biomes, because usually in Far Cry games, you kind of get the one locale and that's Mm it. Um, But it seems like they're trying to incorporate a lot of different biomes into their area this time. Uh, I forgot its name, but Chorizo, I think the little puppy that uh, with the with the little wheelchair looks adorable. I love the gameplay in Far Cry. I love being able to sneak around and take stuff out and, um, you know, swimming around with the crocodile looks like it's going to be fun, too. I'm excited about it. And having um, Gus from Breaking Bad, I'm forgetting the actor's name right now. It's blanking out on me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but he looks like he's going to be an interesting villain as well. Uh, I'm stoked for it. What about you, Ryan? Are you much of a Far Cry guy? Yeah, I actually uh, really love Far Cry Five a lot. Like uh, the, I would say the story wasn't that great, but I love the, the gameplay for Far Cry Five and just going around and um, doing all the different tasks and stuff like that. I, I love that with the Far Cry games. Far Cry Four was kind of the low point of the series for me, but Far Cry Three, I love that game as well. So um, I'm really hoping that. You know, they, they stick the landing with this one. It seems really interesting from, from what we saw from the gameplay, but it doesn't really seem like it's revolution or anything like that. It just seems like it's more Far Cry, which in a way, yeah. I think that's okay. I think that's that's totally kind of what I'm looking for um, with this. Obviously, I, I just hope that it doesn't go in the, the direction we saw with Assassin's Creed Valhalla and have a little too much fluff or bloat in its open world. Um, now that it's they're trying to do kind of even a more expansive open world than something like Far Cry 5, as long as they nail the balance of, of that open world, then I think we've got a, a pretty solid game on our hands here. So, and not only that, but I think October 7th is probably a good time for this game um, because it's, it's going to be out yep. probably before Call of Duty or Battlefield or any of those games. Um, so I do think it's probably, probably a good window for it to come out. So yeah, I'm definitely excited for this one um, and we should hear more about that uh, as we get closer to uh, October 7th, which is exciting. All right. Next up, speaking of first-person shooters, Crytek have announced the Crisis Remastered Trilogy, bundling the first three Crisis games. It will launch in fall 2021 on PS4 and PS5. Um, Of course, this is hot off the heels of the Crisis Remastered um, version, which came to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to to play it, Matt, but we were actually sent a review code for it um, last year on Xbox, and uh, it was not a very good version of the game. It, uh, it barely ran. <laughs> there was all kinds of weird graphical hitches. They had to basically patch it to to uh, to a state where it like kind of works now, but it's still very inconsistent. Um, so I really hope that this is going to turn out okay because I actually really like Crisis 2 and 3 much more than Crisis 1, and I want this collection to be awesome, but... I have my doubts about whether or not it's going to get there, especially after what happened with Crisis Remastered. Are you at all interested in this? Matt, did you get a chance to ever play the original Crisis games at all? Uh, Crisis was always something that I kind of saw and thought, wow, that looks really cool, but it's never something I've actually played. Um, And then again, I was interested in the initial remaster, but kind of similarly, I saw a lot of people complaining online about the port and how it wasn't handled in the best way, so I kind of stayed away. Mm -hmm. This might be a good time for me to jump in. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about the games, and I think they sound fun. So I'm curious to kind of see more as we get closer to the release date, which we still don't know exactly when it's coming this fall, but we do know it's coming this fall. I'm I'm curious to see more. Um, So I I guess guess we'll see. Are you going to be picking it back up? At this point, unless we get an early, like a review copy, I will probably end up just waiting for reviews to come out on this one. Because, again, after, after everything that happened with the first Crisis Remastered, I mean, it's I don't think it's worth putting my money down without hearing if it's OK. But if, if you know, yeah. if word of mouth is, hey, this collection's all right, it actually is, you know, playable and there aren't any issues, then, yeah, absolutely. I, I will definitely give it a chance um, because, again, I really liked Crisis 2 and 3. I think those games are both fantastic, um, especially, again, if you like games like Far Cry, then you'll like Crisis because um, essentially Crytek worked on Far Cry 1 and then they went to go make Crisis. And Crisis 1, for example, is Pretty much just Far Cry, but you're a superhero. 
<laughs> so um, <laughs> essentially, if you like Far Cry, I think you're going to like these these games in particular. They kind of went in a bit of a different direction with the other two games, with two and three. Um, but in a way, I feel like they fe- they're they're more reined in than the first game, which I kind of liked more mm-hmm. uh, than than I did with the first game. So I definitely think they'll be worth checking out if the port is you know decent when it comes out. So yeah, I'd keep my eye on it, but I I, uh, I would be cautious before pre-ordering that one. Next up. Final Fantasy VII Remake has been patched to allow save transfers between the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 versions of the game. However, you will need to install the PlayStation 4 version and transfer your saves one at a time. The transfer process also confirms that there is a new trophy list for the PlayStation 5 version and your trophies will pop upon opening your save in the PlayStation 5 version. In fact, if you played uh, Spider-Man or Miles Morales on PlayStation 4 and then transferred it to the PlayStation 5 version, the process is exactly the same as that. You can upload one save at a time and, and then you download the save to the PlayStation 5 version and then all your trophies will pop instantly. Um, and then if you have multiple saves, because a lot of people have multiple saves for Final Fantasy 7 uh, JRPG, you would then have to go back to the PlayStation <laughs> 4 version, upload your next save, download on the PlayStation 5 version, do that ad nauseum until you have all your saves that you want so there you go i just wanted to flag that to people that that's a thing that's out there now um because i, I just downloaded it this morning and uploaded my one save i'm like you know what this save is probably good <laughs> enough i'm just gonna just stick with the the one with the chapter select and everything and all my trophies attached to it and just call it a day i think yeah um but i'm excited that the playstation 5 version's around the corner it's out next week so um it is pretty exciting i don't know if i'm gonna go back and play the whole game again um, but I do really want to play the DLC, which is why I wanted to get my save up there. Um, Matt, are you excited to, to play Final Fantasy VII Remake next week? Yeah, yeah. you know what? As we get closer to this, I get getting like more and more exciting as I think about my time with Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm re- actually really, really excited to play Integrate. Like you, I don't know if I'll do the full game, but I'm definitely excited for Yuffie's DLC. Yeah. Um, but man, PlayStation needs to figure out a better system for their save transfers because this is brutal. I mean, as yeah. far as I understand on Xbox... Things just work. Yeah. It's a much simpler process. But here, I mean, I think Avengers was the same way. And like, it's just so confusing sometimes between downloading which version do you need, making sure you're transferring the proper save. Uh, I, I I think they need to kind of get a better workaround for this. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm really really excited to jump back into Final Fantasy VII, especially because if you didn't have Final Fantasy VII installed already, it's a hundred gig game. So <laughs> just yeah. having to reinstall it again, it's it's a it's a bit a bit of a pain. And yeah, on Xbox, to your point, it's literally you boot up the game regardless of what version you have, and it just is like it just syncs all your saves from the cloud, and then that's it. You're done. Like, it takes ten seconds at the most. So yeah, yeah. I I, I wish that there was more. Um, you know, uniformity on, on the PlayStation side. Maybe we'll see that before the generation's over, but I don't really have my hopes up for that one. All right, next up, Pixel Opus, the studio behind Concrete Genie, are working on a new PlayStation 5 exclusive. They uh, are developing their new game on Unreal Engine 5, and they're working with the studio behind Into the Spider-Verse. This seems like a really interesting product project, even though we don't really know too much about it, um, but I never really played Concrete Genie. Uh, Matt, why should we be excited about this? Um, so I have a very much love hate relationship with Concrete Genie. I love the first two thirds of the game and I feel like the final act just completely falls apart. But I I think it has a lot of really interesting ideas and I think it is a really beautiful game. So especially with that kind of art style and working with the studio behind Enter the Spider-Verse, um, makes me super excited because the gra- graphically, I thought it was one of the most visually interesting games I've ever played, especially when the graffiti comes up on the wall and the way that your character moves and animates was beautiful. 
So working with that team who, I mean, Into the Spider-Verse is one of my favorite movies and especially the way that it's animated is gorgeous, especially because they also just did, what was it, the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is another great movie. I'm really, really curious to see what kind of product they'll be able to make together. You know, selfishly, I'd love to see something more super superhero-ish mm-hmm. uh, just because I'm all about that stuff. But I'm really, really curious to see what they're going to cook up. And I think this is great news, um, especially if I hope it's new IP. I hope Sony keeps giving, you know, their studios that room to kind of work in, in, in that space. Um, does this news do anything for you, Ryan? Are, are you excited at all? I the only reason I will say it doesn't do anything for me currently is I just kind of want to see what the game is at this point. Um, and yeah. I'm kind of, you know, I'm tempering my expectations until we see whatever this is, I think, because um, it's cool to know that we're getting a new IP from from the studio and it's being done in Unreal Engine 5. I mean, the more games that we keep getting announcements uh, over the last couple of weeks that are coming to Unreal Engine 5, the more I'm excited about kind of the, the future of the platform um, and kind of some mm-hmm. of the games that are coming up. Um, but yeah, at this point, like, um, it's hard for me to get excited about something until I've seen what the game actually is at this point. So um, at the same time, it's yeah. awesome to hear that they are working on a new project and it's going to be a new IP. Because, um, again, I always prefer new IPs over doing the same thing for and over again, like the, the like uh, continuing a franchise forever. So um, I'm excited yeah. to see what this game actually is when when they are ready to show it. Probably, Which, again, of course, since it's an Unreal Engine 5 games, like this is probably like a 2024, 2023 game at the earliest at this point. So... We'll see yeah. when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The last news story, and this one's kind of a big one, and this is going to be kind of our, our topic for Whew. the show, rest of the show this week. We got a giant blog post written by Sid Schumann as part of an interview with Herman Holst, uh, which was actually part of the PlayStation uh, blog podcast. And it was revealed during this interview that God of War Ragnarok, I mean, that's the tentative title anyways, and Gran Turismo 7 will now launch on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Additionally, Sony Santa Monica have confirmed that God of War has been delayed until 2022, and according to Herman, when asked about Horizon Forbidden West, he said, quote, for Horizon, we think we are on track to release this holiday season, but that isn't quite certain yet, and we are working as hard as we can to confirm that to you as soon as we can. So this was a very interesting interview. Also, I, I forgot to put in the show notes here, but they also confirmed that um, Sony Bend is actually working on a new IP, which we had heard from rumors, but now it's uh, awesome to f- see that finally confirmed. Um, and we'll be seeing that probably in the next couple years. Whew, Matt, what do you think about this new story? Because uh, people were uh, giving some mixed feelings on this one. I well, first off, I just love how they snuck all this into a PlayStation blog announcement, pretty much coming from that podcast. Yeah. I mean, that's the most Sony th- way to handle this entire thing with their kind of random news drops. But I'm not surprised, Ryan. I don't know how you feel, but I never expected God of War to be a thing this year, especially because we still don't even know when Horizon's coming out, which yeah. is so very obviously first. Um, I they've been they've been saying for the last you know six months or so that they're still on track with Horizon, that they still feel still feel good about it coming out this year, and I do believe that to be true. I wouldn't be surprised if it slips into next year, but I I, I do think as as kind of the world seems to be recovering a little bit and more vaccines are going out and people are you know becoming more adept at working from this environment. I do think that Horizon will come this year. I just think they're just kind of waiting 100% yeah. to be able to say this is the definitive date. God of War, take your time. I think, uh, you know, Santa Monica deserves that after what they did with the first God of War. I'm in no rush. Like, I'm ready to play that game when they say it's ready. Um, and with Studio Bend working on a new IP, I mean, that I guess that officially puts Days Gone to rest, which is, you yeah. know, I'm not that sad about it. I'm curious to see what the studio will do next. 
What about you? What do you, how do you kind of feel about this? And are you disappointed that God of War is delayed? What do you think about Horizon? What are your thoughts? So first off, I'm going to address the Sony Ben thing real quick. I, honestly, honestly, I think it's awesome to see them doing a new IP as well. I think they're a super talented studio and Days Gone. I just didn't really click with it. So I, I'm actually excited yeah. to see what they do next, especially because, again, with a long, their long history of, of Siphon Filter and then um, Days Gone, I know that they, whatever they come out next is probably going to be awesome. So um, I have faith that whatever we're going to see from them in the next couple of years, it's going to be great. So I'm looking forward to that one. But same with the, the Pixel Opus story that we just talked about. Where, I mean, I'm not going to get too excited about it until we actually see the game itself. As far as the God of War stuff, to your point, I never expected that game to come out this year at all. They the fact that they announced 2021 and showed us nothing from that game other than just, hey, here's a logo, <laughs> pretty much told me everything I needed to know about it not coming out this year, which is totally fine. Not only that, but they never actually said it was going to be PlayStation 5 exclusive. So the fact that it's coming to PS4 doesn't bother me either because they never actually announced it for PlayStation 5 only. So... I never expected that it wouldn't be a PlayStation 4 game, especially after what we saw with Horizon, with pretty much every game besides Returnal and Ratchet and Demon's Souls, essentially, at this point, right? So um, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't put it on PlayStation 4, especially with the last version, the last game being on PlayStation 4, especially if it is coming on slate for next year at this point now. And it's probably going to be, I would imagine they're going to try and target the, the April time frame they, they targeted for the first game. So um, that, that's kind of my line of thinking with that one. The Gran Turismo 7 scenario, though, is where I kind of am a little hesitant because that game has been advertised pretty much since day one as a PlayStation 5 exclusive. Like, they, in fact, if you go look on Sony's YouTube channel right now, there are still videos advertising it as a PlayStation 5 exclusive and not coming to PlayStation huh. 4. So that's where I start to, you know, toe the line a little bit where I'm like, hey, this is great and all, but if you would have just told us up front that it was coming to both consoles, people wouldn't be upset about this, I think, or less upset, I guess, because um, I think that at that point, you're kind of teetering on the idea of people maybe making claims of false advertising at that point, because they've been saying mm -hmm. one thing and then it's, it's a completely different thing. Cause it's not like they just made the decision yesterday that it's coming to right. PlayStation four. Like this has probably been in, in development for PlayStation four for some time. Yeah. Probably ever since that trailer came out because the newest one saying it was a PlayStation five exclusive came out like two months ago. So, I mean, it wasn't even that long ago. So um, I understand things change and, and that's okay. But I think that one's where I'm like a little bit more upset because I wish Sony was just much more open about some of this stuff where if it's going to come to PS PlayStation four, I wish they would just tell us this. So um, yeah, that's kind of what I think. Do about you the one. Do you think that uh, with Corona and like the supply constraints on the PS5, probably I'm, I'm sure they saw that coming from probably a year ago. Do you think it was somewhere around that point that they said, you know what, we might as well bring it to PS4 um, because there might not be as many PS5s in the wild as we had hoped that there would be, you know, when they when they first announced it. Do you think that had anything to do with it? I think it might have had a little to do with it, but because of the way because this game is was supposed to actually come out this year, too, um, and it got mm -hmm. delayed till next year. Um, I think especially with the at the pace that Polyphony Digital makes games because they're a very traditionally yeah. slow game maker and probably even slower during COVID. I think that the plan was probably to bring it to PlayStation 4 the whole time, which or at least mm -hmm. for, not the, not from the, the start of development, maybe. But maybe. Uh, but I don't think that they would have turned it around since November, I think, because of just how quickly I know that studio moves because they don't move very quickly, uh, despite the fact yeah. that the cars move very quickly in that game, that the studio does not <laughs> turn the ship very quickly, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, that's the only one where I'm like, 
a little bit like, eh, I wish you would have just told us. But God of War, for sure. Like, seeing all the people upset on Twitter about God of War, I'm like, that's what I don't understand. Because, I, again, they, they never told us it wasn't coming to PlayStation 4. So I assumed, unless they told us otherwise, it probably was going to. Um, Horizon, this comes back to what we talked about with Horizon with our talk last week, where I think at this point after them not showing the release date, there's, I think that it's much more likely that this gets delayed into next year than coming out this year. If I'm just going to give you my, my honest opinion, especially, um, like, I think that this might be like a February or January game next year, like an early 2022 game. But I think that it's likely going to get pushed a little bit, but it will be like, if it does get pushed, it'll be a very early game, I think into the year. Um, but I do think that at some point that they haven't shown me any reason to believe that it is coming out this year either. But I, but obviously, it, it's more likely to come out of out of any of the games we talked about here, especially because God of War again was just a JPEG. It was very much the Metroid Prime <laughs> Four situation for for Nintendo, yeah. where we had uh, God of War Ragnarok JPEG to go on essentially. Whereas Horizon, we we've seen much more about it, um, and, and especially because I, I wouldn't factor in the fact that we've seen a lot of Horizon to tell us that it's going to be there right away. Because again, Ratchet, we saw tons of Ratchet last year. And we were thinking, mm-hmm. oh, well, Ratchet's going to be a launch title or a launch window title. And it's just coming out next week. But it's, so it's coming out nine months later than we were kind of expecting it to. So um, especially with the way the world is right now, too, even though things are starting to, to get a little bit closer back to normal, um, anything could happen at this point. So that's yeah. why I'm like, I'm maybe 70 percent uh, thinking that it'll get delayed and then 30 percent likely it's coming out this year. Yeah, I don't know. I think I I really do. Part of me really does believe that they are gearing up for something for some sort of presentation in June. So they kind of kept that release date back to see what everybody else is doing and they'll drop it. But I again, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets delayed out into next year. But I guess we'll see. I mean, E3 and everything is June is right around the corner. We're going to find out a lot more information soon. So I'm I'm curious to see how it plays out. Yeah. I mean, all we know about Sony is they're part of Summer Game Fest. So it'll be whenever whenever they feel like doing it, as long as it's before the end of August, it looks like. So that's because that's when Summer Game Fest ends. So that's kind of our window. Um, I want to let some of our friends into the car with us, though, to talk about this subject because we've got two questions about this so we're going to start with the winter gamer and he asks does having games like god of war grand Turismo 7 and horizon forbidden west on both playstation 4 and playstation 5 really make the games any less i find it perfect the way gamers are still able to play games and are that are invested in to playstation 4 and when there are games that start to use the PlayStation 5's potential, then we can move past PlayStation 4. So I'm with you, Winter Gamer. I don't really think that this really diminishes from that. Obviously, if a game is developed just for PlayStation 5, then they can really start to utilize technology that could only be possible on that platform. Um, But at the same time, I I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do this for any game that can run on PlayStation 5 that isn't really doing something like Ratchet that's like stringing worlds together that needs the instant load time. Um, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do this. So, yeah, I don't really think it it diminishes from this. I'm, I'm assuming you probably feel very similarly to this. Right, Matt? Yeah, I don't think it diminishes from it. I just think that especially in the first couple of years of a new console, like especially with how big the install base is on PS4, I'd be more shocked if they didn't yeah because it's just like especially given how many ps5s are in the wild right now why not they they're they're a company they like money they want to get their stuff sold so it doesn't surprise me i am excited for the day that we move fully into ps5 though just to see be able to see what the devs can do with you know completely unlocking what that console is capable of but i think especially in the first 
two to three years, I, I think this is probably going to be, I think it's probably going to be normal. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we kind of see this at, at the beginning of every console generation as well. Like, we'll, we'll see, mm-hmm. uh, like, don't get me wrong, there have definitely been less exclusive games to the PlayStation 5 versus, say, the PlayStation 4 for six months, or even the PlayStation 3 in particular, where that one just had, you know, very little in the way of ports. Um, but, you know, ports or, or games that exist on both platforms have always kind of always existed in launch windows. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, this this isn't really too much different from what we usually see, other than I think we are getting more PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 kind of ubiquity, only because, again, they are more ubiquitous. They share the same store. It's not like going between, like having games launch on PS2 and PS3, where the, those versions had to be completely different from each other and, and different SKUs and everything else. Whereas with PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 games, they can cut, it's, it seems much more seamless to have them go between the two consoles. So, um, so. The one question I have here for you, Ryan, before we move off this question is, do you think in that situation, because PlayStation has already started doing their whole next gen costs more money. Do you see them having two separate SKUs in terms of pricing or do do you think they're going to say PS5 and PS4 version, both this lower PS4 price? Or do you think they're going to raise the benchmark in terms of their pricing for PS4 as well? Because that's the only thing that I can kind of see in terms of discrepancy. Yeah, that's an interesting question, because I guess we haven't really we haven't really seen that from first party because again, the, the closest we had was Miles Morales, right? So um, we haven't really had an, an eighty dollar, like a seventy dollar PlayStation Four game from Sony yet. So mm-hmm. yeah, with when Horizon, for example, comes out, I'm curious to see how that's going to work because obviously we know it's going to have a free upgrade. You know mm-hmm. what? I'm going to place my bets and just say it's going to be it's going to be seventy dollars on both platforms. Like it's it's just going to be because of the free upgrade. Because otherwise, then you'll just have people buy the PlayStation Four version and just claim the free upgrade. So um, at that yeah. point, if they're doing the free upgrade thing, I think they will. I think they will charge seventy dollars for both versions of the game to keep it consistent. I don't want them. I, I mean, I wish they didn't do that, but, <laughs> but that, I think that's what they're going to do. Unfortunately, which for us, that's like a hundred dollar game here in Canada. So that's yep. that's kind of expensive. All right, let's let's move on to eat the hype's question, Donnie Reese, uh, and he asks, "Do you think PlayStation owes it to its potential slash current PlayStation Five owners to let them know about next gen and system exclusives from the beginning in their marketing, or is it all fair in love and capitalism? Whatever helps the console sell better equals better for business." And um, Donnie, th- this kind of goes back to what I was just talking about too, where I, I just wish PlayStation was, just, I just wish Sony was just more open with stuff. I just wish that. Because it, that's something we learned from Microsoft that I think people gave them uh, un, uh, like undue you know crap for when when they announced that they were going to do cross platform stuff uh, for the majority of the first couple of years. But in hindsight, you know I think looking back on it, I think that I'm glad that they gave us that heads up. Whereas I wish Sony was just, you know, more forthright about this stuff. The fact that, again, they put kind of buried this stuff in a random blog post just tells you everything you need to know about them wanting to tell us about this stuff, right? So um, I think this, just this situation just makes me wish that Sony would just communicate more with us, that the PlayStation fans, and kind of, you know, tell us up front, hey, by the way, this is planned for these platforms. And then just call it a day. Because if they do that, then no. Then again, people if people get upset at that point, it's like, well, who cares? Then they they were at least honest with us. Whereas I can understand why, you know, people might get upset now that they kind of very shrewdly just buried the lead like six months into development with some of this stuff. So that's kind of kind of how I feel about this question. What do you think about it, Matt? 
Yeah, I just think that they've kind of put their foot in their mouth right from the beginning with their whole we believe in generations spiel, which is now a much touted thing on Twitter. Like yeah. they very definitively said coming into this, like PlayStation 5 will be PlayStation 5, PS4 will be PS4. And like you said earlier, anybody familiar with any sort of console launches expected some crossover. But with the, you know, the verbiage and, the, and their message going into PS5. I was personally expecting a lot more of a line in the sand, um, which obviously they're now kind of going back on and bringing more. And again, I think that's better for players. But I do think you're right. I do think that they should be much more forthcoming with this, especially when you already have a mix of PS5 exclusives like Returnal and Ratchet. But also games coming out later will still be coming like Horizon and God of War will still be coming to both. It kind of the the message kind of gets muddled in all this. um, But I, I think they should be much more honest about how they're handling this stuff, because if you're going to buy a PS5 to play the games and you know they're going to run better, you know they're probably going to look a little bit better, then that's fine. But you shouldn't be expecting only games to come to PS5 and that's why you bought it. Because then, again, I could understand feeling upset about it, not just expecting them to run better, but to be only there. It's it's confusing and I think they just need to be way more honest about it. Yeah, for sure. All right. One last question for this week before we got to go, and it's on a completely different subject. This one comes to us from Todd Oxtra at Toxtra, and he asks... What other PlayStation games from the PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2 era would you like to see get the Final Fantasy 7 slash RE2 remake treatment with new assets, gameplay, story tweaks, and whatnot? So to give you a chance to, to kind of think about this this one, Matt, so I, I came up with a couple in my head, and most of them are just from the PlayStation 1 era because that one, that's the era where I think the, the games really just need the most help. Um, definitely, like, if any of these get remade, like, they, I would prefer them to be PlayStation 1 games just because, again, like, those games are so hard to go back to, especially with just RE Remake and Final Fantasy VII in particular, like, that just showed why those games needed the, the touch-up. So I'm going to start with Dino Crisis. From the second I finished um, Resident Evil 2 Remake, I thought of two games, and Dino Crisis was one of them. Um, I, I would, especially because that's a Capcom IP, and it's pretty much just Resident Evil with dinosaurs anyways. So, I mean, you could just take the RE engine <laughs> and kind of do what you did with Resident Evil 2, but with Dino Crisis, and I think it would be amazing. Like, I would love to see... Uh, a new HD remake of Dino Crisis. I think it would be awesome. Um, even if they did Dino Crisis 2, I think that would be fine too. But definitely the first Dino Crisis would be totally awesome. Don't do Dino Crisis 3. That's a bad game. Don't, don't revisit that <laughs> um, But the other game I thought of after finishing Resident Evil 2 Remake was um, Parasite Eve from Square Enix, which is a survival horror turn-based RPG. So it's essentially Final Fantasy and Resident Evil mixed together (laughs) to make one game. Um, It's a really interesting game, and we've never really seen them do anything like that since. Even with the sequel to Parasite Eve, Parasite Eve 2, which was much more of an action RPG and and basically played like a Resident Evil game. Um, But Parasite Eve in particular was like a really unique experience, and we've never seen Square Enix go back to that well ever. So... I would love to see kind of Square Enix do um, a remake like that. And the last one I'm going to bring up before I I throw it to you, Matt, um, and I talked about this on the RPG cave, but I'm going to mention it here. Um, If Square Enix was to do a Final Fantasy VII remake game as game again, I would love to see them do a remake of Chrono Cross in that style. I think that would be awesome. Um, Chrono Cross is an amazing RPG. It ties into Chrono Trigger, but it's kind of very much its own experience. And um, I would rather see them do do that type of treatment with... Uh, something like Chrono Cross from the PlayStation 1 era, um, because I, I think that game's fantastic, but it has some convoluted systems that I think a remake could really flesh out and go around with it. Although, obviously, if I was in, uh, able to include SNES games, I would say Chrono Trigger in the <laughs> HD2D engine that we saw with Dragon Quest Three. Oh, my God. But that would be so amazing. Matt, what do you think about this one? Yeah, um, 
I, as I started thinking about this, the games that I'd love to see come back would be Digimon World 2 and 3. I would love to see those games come back looking nice and pretty. I love those games. I'm not a massive fan of one. They, they made a lot of changes between one and two. One was much more of like a Tamagotchi-esque, you know, raise your Digimon, while two and three went straight, like much more into the just classic JRPG fair. So I'd really love to see those games come back just because I'm a huge sucker for Digimon games. I love Cyber Sleuth. I'm excited for Survive. So I'd love to see those games come back. And the other one that jumped out at me is um, the original Metal Gear Solid, yeah. uh, just because I think it would be really cool to see that game brought back. And especially if they kind of took elements of like like the Psycho Mantis memory card fight, I would love to see them, you know, pull from your game, you know, your game cloud and stuff. And obviously there's some privacy rights there and blah, 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 blah. But like, I think if they kind of were able to update some of those fights and make them a little more modern given today's technology, I think it would be a really cool way to kind of give that game new life, especially because we haven't really seen Metal Gear Solid 1 for quite some time. Um, and I think it would be, I think it would have done itself really, really well. Just give it to Blue Point, mm-hmm. let them do it. Let you know, let them make some cool little tweaks and stuff like the whole memory card thing, but modernize it for today. Uh, I would I would love to see Metal Gear Solid come back like that as well. Just don't let Konami do it. <laughs> for the, the for yeah, the love no. of all that's holy, don't let Konami do it. Just have have Blue Point do it. And and not only that, they don't need to do, go into your cloud save. They can just go into your trophy data and be like, oh, you exactly, played, you played that. So it's actually very easy for them to do that kind of thing. All right, we got to go. But before we go, Matt plugs go. Yeah, so you can catch me over on Burnout Brighter. You can find us on youtube.com slash burnoutbrighter. The podcast goes live there every Wednesday. We have news videos, reviews, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Or catch us on any major podcast network of your choosing. You'll find us all over the place there. Very nice, my friend. As from you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. You also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash with all of our shows, all that good stuff. We'll have a Twitter account soon. So I, this would normally be where I would plug the, the PlayStation uh, drives Twitter account, but I'm not going to do that here. So for Matt Sawinski, <laughs> I'm Ryan Turford. This has been episode three of the PlayStation Drive pilot, and we out. Bye.